0: hello everyone and welcome to from the archives this podcast goes back to many sermons preached over many years we thought we'd bring them from the past here into the present so you can enjoy some of the messages that came before take a listen to what we have tonight tonight i have a rough one for you the eighth question this was asked of me in this room by one of our students so i am not bringing this up for my own jollies believe me this is one of those subjects that pastors love to stay away from we love to avoid this one because it's this what does it mean to say that christians are elect and how can i know if i am elect that question was asked me and i about dropped my jaw open um that's one of those questions you expect a 30 or 40 year old to ask someone who's uh, working through Ephesians, First Peter, something like that. You don't expect an 18-year-old kid to come out of nowhere and ask you that question. So I said, uh, I gave him a very simple answer uh, in about five minutes. But as I began to think about that, I began to think maybe we need to address this question. Now I need to say up front, this is possibly the most divisive teaching in the church. Okay? it is. Possibly one of the most divisive teachings in the church. I don't care where you talk about it with whom you talk about it People get their feelings hurt. So tonight I am going to make very little Comment but I have a truckload of scripture I am going to give it to you to the best of my understanding and then I want you to take that I want you to pray that through Be sure how to deal with that because at some point you are going to be asked about this question of election Am I the elect? How do I know if I am saved? Is exactly what the question really is. So I'm telling you up front, this is very divisive stuff. So let's stick with the word tonight and let's just see what God has to say on the subject of election. Very first one, Deuteronomy 29, 29. As you know, I always like to start a good foundation, a good firm understanding Those of you who have dealt with the subject of election, know Deuteronomy 29, 29 very well. It says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Okay, the principal understanding that we have to have in dealing with election or anything else of a theological nature is this, not you, not I, not the greatest scholars in any denomination, I don't care how many PhDs, you stick behind your name, you just can't know everything. I mean, as parents, we like to think we know every question our kids can ask, this is one that to an extent the Bible deals with, but beyond a certain level, it is not given to us to know the deep things of God. When Jesus walked the earth, even he said, you know, it's not for you to know the day and the hour of my return. Even I don't know that. Not even the angels in heaven know that. Only the Father himself has determined the day of my return. So, you know, there are just some things that we are never, ever gonna get the full big answer to. Here's the problem, everybody thinks they can intellectually grasp the concept of election. You cannot intellectually grasp it. Because if you do, you're gonna wind up on one side or the other and both sides are wrong. If you are a hyper-Calvinist, God bless you, I love you, you're wrong. If you're an Arminian, oh Lord are you wrong. Does that tell you where I am? Good. (laughs) Because if that side's wrong and that side's wrong, there's got to be something right in the center. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep looking in the Word. You got it. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. I have written as much as possible out on the screens behind me tonight in case you don't have your Bible with you. But I really want us to see that this is not my opinion. This is exactly what the Word of God says. Are you ready? Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. If you are one of those people that afterwards is interested, there is a 16-hour video series that deals specifically with this subject. And it's 16 hours of intensive, extensive biblical research. No outside things, no outside authors, strictly breaking the scripture down as we go along. We don't have time for that tonight. But Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Now that, my friends, is the word of God and this is where we begin to understand what election is. Here it is. Verse 1. For I am God, there is no other. If Deuteronomy says we cannot understand the things of God which He has not revealed to us, does that tell us that God is the ultimate authority in all things? Yes. There's a word that we use for that. God is sovereign. That means His authority, His power, His creativity, his will is not limited. Now we as men are limited. Amen. Amen. We are limited by our wives. Yeah. They tell us where we can go, when we can go, how much we can spend. We know what it is to be limited. Amen. I thought to interject some humor at that moment. It's getting kind of serious in here. But we are limited to two pounds of gray matter between our ears, and for those of us who did not smoke that away in the '60s, it's still not enough to go beyond the scratch and the surface of what God is all about. I am God, there is no other, for I am God and there is none like me. Now here's the first word we have to understand. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that are not yet done. To declare means to announce. Now go back to Deuteronomy. What did it say in Deuteronomy? It said the secret things belong to Yahweh, the God of Israel, the covenant name of the Lord, right? Those secret things are His, but whatever is revealed or declared or announced to us, it is given to us to carry out the words and the work of God. So, if we really needed to know all of the little details of election and everything else, God would have told us. Since we don't need to know it in order to carry out His will, I think we're going to see that God tells us enough, but not so much that our brains would explode. Let's keep going. Isaiah 46, 9-10, the back part of that is this. He says, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. I will do all my pleasure. The word counsel means purpose. My purpose shall stand. Now when I read that, and I will do all my pleasure, I thought of a chapter in Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 11. Let me read it to you. It is my favorite verse. As a pastor, this is my saving grace. As a pastor, I lean upon this verse every time I step into the pulpit. And now you're going to see why. Isaiah 55:11 says this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Have you ever wondered why you can share the Gospel with somebody and they don't respond? You think it's your problem. Herman's going, oh, how did I mess this up? You know, or Mike's going, what did I do wrong? I shared the four spiritual laws, why didn't they come to Jesus? Your job is not to bring them to Jesus. Your job is to declare the things which God has made known. Whose job is it to bring lost men and women to salvation? Holy Spirit. It is His job. Now, this says when my word goes out of my mouth from my, from my book, from my, from my pastors, my Sunday school teachers, my deacons, when my word goes out, it will accomplish the deacon's purpose, the pastor's purpose, the father's purpose, the father's purpose. God has a purpose for every sermon, every Sunday school lesson, every time you share a tract. When Tony goes out and hands out tracts in other languages, sharing them with people, what is Tony's faith? That it is not dependent upon Tony or the quality of that tract to bring that lost person to Jesus Christ. It is up to the Holy Spirit working through the feeble ministrations of men and women to accomplish that purpose. You can be a bumbling idiot. And still preach the word of God and people get saved. And I am a case in point. Mm. It is true. You do not have to be a genius. But you have to know that the word that goes forth from God's mouth cannot be defeated. Now God doesn't put anything in here that says my word will prosper unless the messenger screws it up. My word will prosper unless the person's heart is too hard. There was a person once sitting on a big throne wearing an ugly hat carrying some chopsticks, ruling over Egypt. And he seemed to think he could stop God from doing what God was doing. But God told Moses before he ever went exactly what was going to happen. Did the hardness of Pharaoh's heart stop God from accomplishing his purpose? No, it didn't. Because nothing can stop God from accomplishing his purpose. If you want to talk about election, let's go to the real point. Is God the sovereign Lord of the universe? Yes, that's what it says in Isaiah 46. Does his word, his Holy Spirit, accomplish everything that God intends to accomplish through it? Yes. So if I share the gospel and someone doesn't respond, does that mean that person is, is damned and going to go to hell? No. It means it's not time for God to do in his life what God has purposed to do in his life. I'm only throwing seed, y'all. I'm just throwing the seed. God is gonna reap that harvest. But let's keep going. Now now pay attention to those last words. And I will do all my pleasure. Right? I will do all my pleasure. Ephesians 1. You knew we were gonna get there, didn't you? Ephesians 1. We're gonna start in verse 4. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Now we're gonna work our way through several verses in Ephesians. I encourage you, encourage you, beg you before a holy God, do not let this thing lay here tonight. Take this home. Take it home. Look at it. Don't say, well, that doesn't seem right or that doesn't fit my idea of God. God doesn't care what your idea of Him is. He tells you who He is. He tells you what He is going to do. He tells you how to understand Him. Now, sometimes we tend to put our brains in there and interfere with God's clear revelation of Himself. But let's just see what the Word says. Ephesians 1, verse 4 says this. It says, Just as He chose us in Him, in Christ Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before Him in love. This is a difficult thing for most Christians to swallow because many people somehow think that God just goes along as we goes along and God responds to our decisions. Wrong. If God had to go along and respond to our decisions, God would be nothing more than an ascended man and we'd all be Mormons. I'm sorry. Pay attention. He chose us. Let me break this down for you. Greek 101, people. Ek lego. Ek lego. He chose us. To choose means to pick out or to select for oneself. God chose us, picked us, looked down, saw Rich Libby. Before the foundation of the world, before he was born, before he did either good or evil, and purposed in his heart that just as he knocked Saul of Tarsus off of his donkey, just as he stopped Balaam in the road, just as he purposed John the Baptist to be born, live 30 years, preach six months, and die because of a woman. Just as he did that, he saw your life and you were part of that plan before the first human being was born. Now, you can play with this any way you choose, but according to this, you were selected before the foundation of the world. And speaking of Jacob and Esau, he says, Jacob I loved. Esau I hated before either one had done anything to recommend them. God makes a choice. Now even a die-hard free will person cannot deny this. And believe me, I've read the books on it. Nobody denies that God chooses because He is God. Now interesting thing is this word is the word elect. This is the word elect. Because if you look at it in a, another sense, this is the word electos. Elect. You can look at it, break it any way you want to. This is the word elect. To choose. And it's to choose in a sovereign fashion. As he chose Jacob over Esau. As he chose John the Baptist to be born and to live and to die. As he chose to send his own son before the foundation of the world. The Lamb slain. If your name's been in the Lamb's book of life since the foundation of the world, how'd your name get there? You didn't make the decision till Well, I didn't make the decision until 1980. But in fact, did I make a decision? Oh, yeah. I was standing in that church. I had a hold of that pew. I did not want to go down there. But you know what God did? God sneaked me. God showed me what my life would be without Him. And so graphic and powerful was the revelation of His love that I could not keep. responding. He never violated my will. He never forced me. He never pulled me down the aisle, though I felt like it. He never did anything to me except open my blind eyes and let me see my need for a Savior. If we went around this room and I said, what drew you to Christ, Larry? What was it, Art? What drew you to the Savior? You would tell me that at some point in your life, your eyes were opened. You saw your horrible condition. You saw a hell spawning before you. And you knew that without Christ, you were a dead man or woman walking. Because that is what God does. He chooses and then he acts. Chooses and he acts. But keep going. Ephesians 1.5. Look at 1.5. You'll love this one having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Wait a second. We've read that before, haven't we? Where have we read about the good pleasure of his will? I'll tell you where it was. It was in Isaiah forty-six ten. God acts according to his good pleasure. What does God need in order to act? His own sovereign, holy, perfect desire. Nothing I did endeared me to the Lord. Why should He pick me? And I ask myself that question almost every day. Why did He pick me? There's lots of better people in the world, but He chose to do that. He chose to reveal Himself. This is so amazing. Look at that word, having predestined us. People hate that word. You know why? Because it sounds like you got no choice. you got a choice. But here's the thing. Those people that say they've died and stood at the precipice of hell, feeling the flames, hearing the screams, and then are snatched back. Do you think having seen hell, they go, gee, that looked like a pretty fun place. I think I'm going to go back there no one's ever been that stupid in history no one having seen the reality of who christ is and what it means to reject him has ever rejected him because so graphic and powerful was the revelation go back to paul laying flat on his hiney on the road to damascus blinded paul paul why are you persecuting me lord who are you I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So powerful was God's revelation of himself that his blind eyes were opened and he saw. He never violated Paul's right to make a decision. He just made that decision so clear, so crystal clear that Paul made it. Two people I love, Ezra and Nehemiah. Two great books. Both of them say the same thing. Remember this? We've been through both books. What's the one phrase? Both, the gracious hand of the Lord was upon me. The image is of weight and power pressing down. So real was the presence of God in Ezra and Nehemiah's life that they felt as if the weight, the glory of God, were crushing down on them. They felt... The heart of God and that's why they responded that's why Nehemiah wept that's why that's why Ezra had to go back and help re-establish proper worship in the rebuilt temple it's not about God breaking us he simply lights us up and we see the truth of who he is but look at that again this word predestined means to mark out beforehand it's a wonderful dude that you've never heard of. His name is Spiros Zoeades, professor of Greek, born in Greece, knows the Greek language from start to finish, wrote a commentary on the Greek language. And speaking of this concept, he says this, this is akin to the idea of foreknowledge, but he says the Greek language is specific and that it says this decision is made prior to with only reference to the desire of the planner. God does not look down through history, see your decision, and respect it. He chooses because He is God. Go back to Deuteronomy twenty-nine, twenty-nine. Can I understand that? No. As a young man coming out of seminary, I believed that I chose Christ. It took a couple agonizing years for me to realize I chose nothing. But he chose me. God called me by my name to salvation. What did Jesus say? No one comes to me, is drawn to me, unless my father draws him. It says in Romans that we are sinners bound as slaves to sin unable to even desire God we can't even desire him until he opens our eyes he opens our eyes keep going Ephesians 1 9 it says this having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Again, the scripture is clear God does this because God chooses to do it because it pleases God to save lost men and women. When God looked out through history, he saw Kim and he loved her, therefore, he saved her. He revealed himself in such a way that Kim could see reality, and she responded to it. Could a person see the holiness of God, the pure, raw, naked face of God, and not respond? No, they couldn't. Not because they didn't have a will, but because once that revelation is so powerful, you won't reject it. You can't. It's too powerful. It overwhelms us. It doesn't, some, it doesn't break us. It just overwhelms us. That's what's amazing. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Again, God references nothing to make his decision. He references nothing about you, your works, your talents, your gifts, your abilities. Face it. Billy King is not a minister because Billy King is a great speaker and has a wonderful heart and has a great singing voice. He has those things because God chose to call him to this work and gifted him with what he has to accomplish God's purpose. Why would the Lord call a mean, nasty, surly old man into the pulpit? Because it accomplishes his purpose. But let's stop talking about other pastors. Let's talk about me. Just kidding. Okay, let's go on. Ephesians 1.11. Ephesians 1.11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Understand that. Having made known to us, okay, being predestined, according to the purpose of him, who calls all things according to the counsel of his will. That's what I said about all of us. Each one of us was saved for a reason, with a purpose in mind. You were not saved to warm a church pew. You were saved with a purpose to serve a holy God, to be a witness, to be a spokesman, spokeswoman. You were saved for a reason. You don't have salvation for no reason. You don't just get saved and sit there and wait for eternity. That's not why you were saved. That's not why Christ died for you. I'll back up and interject one thing. Is the blood of Christ sufficient to pay for every sin committed by every being, past, present, and future? Yes. But contrary to what the beloved pastor on TV said, everybody ain't saved. Until you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, John 3, 16, 17, 18, Until you confess your sin 1 John 1 9 You ain't saved The blood of Christ is sufficient For all living beings Past, present and future But it is not effectual In your salvation Until you accept it You can see it You might understand it But if you don't cry out for it It ain't yours It's not enough to have it here You gotta have the blood here for the Passover to happen predestined according to the purpose so what does that mean it means your future is to look like Christ your future is to be a servant that was the future for which you were called that's what you were saved for Ed you were saved to be that representative of Christ that's the purpose of your salvation he didn't just save you to save you he saved you to serve him to be a servant, to go to the Philippines, to play the piano, to play the drums, to serve in the military, and to share Christ with men who are around you, who right now could be in harm's way, could be experiencing death. Why well, is Billy really going to be a chaplain? To share Christ with men and women who may the next day die, that need the chance for salvation. That's what we're saved to do. That's what election is about. It is salvation with a purpose. Salvation with a purpose. Let's keep going. I'm not gonna stop there. Ephesians 1:18 says this: the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's what I've been harping on. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Man, that's what it's all about. It's about the blessing of being elected. The blessing is this. We have our eyes opened. We know what the hope of eternity is. You know, I've, been, I've been watching people walk around the streets the last couple of weeks. And my heart has just has been really hurting. I look at people rushing around in the mall and the streets. And I go, where are they going? What are they doing with their life? What hope do they have? I mean, people are terrified of the swine flu for crying out loud. It's only a bug. Hello? It's just a bug. But people are so scared. Why are they scared? Because to most modern people living in the Northwest, there is only one life. You live, you die, you become worm food. They have no hope. Take a man who's got a multi-million dollar house. Loses his job. What hope does he have? None. Tell a man who's 30 years old, you have cancer. What hope does he have? None. Unless he has Christ. Unless he has Christ in his life, he has no hope. Because his eyes have not been opened to that hope. So to that extent, what do we do? We share the gospel of Christ. We put out the seed so that people have the chance to respond. Now here's the deal. I'm not supposed to look around and go, you know, that guy looks like he's elect. I'm going to share Jesus with him. It's like the parable of soils, right? Well, look, this guy looks like hard ground. I'm not going to bother. He's a biker. He's a gangbanger. He's just, he's murder incorporated. He's the founder of the Crips. I'm not sharing Jesus with him because it's a waste of my time. But that guy over there, he's a nice suburban guy, drives a Yukon. And <laughs> I'm going to share Jesus with him. He's good, he's good soil, right? ain't your job church you don't pick your soil you throw your seed and where it goes honey it goes we have the homeless feed here did we look and say you know that person looks like they're really homeless that person is just out of a job i'm going to share jesus with him that guy don't need it that ain't what we do no matter what the soil what the condition we throw the seed because you know what you never know which one of those people is going to respond to Christ. Because you don't know where the Holy Spirit's at work. You don't know where the Holy Spirit has been laboring and has prepared the ground and, and, and tilled it up and made it ready. You throw the seed everywhere. Indiscriminately you throw the gospel. Because wherever the Holy Spirit's at work, that's where it's going to prosper. It ain't your job to know who's elect. It's your job to share the gospel. See, we get wrapped up in the dumb stuff. We get wrapped up in the dumb stuff. We forget the good stuff. Let's keep going. John 15, 16. Finally out of there. All right. John 15, 16. This one you all know pretty good. You ready for this one, church? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Okay. He will give you whatever you need to accomplish the purpose for which you were saved, which is not your personal wealth, not the expansion of your Jabez kingdom, not to give you a third car when you can't even drive the first two you got. That's not the purpose. The purpose is you go do what I told you, the work of the kingdom, and the Father will give you anything you need to get that job done. the Father doesn't give it to you, you don't need it to get the job done, so just go get the job done. I love this because it is so powerful. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I called you. I picked you before you did anything. Before you even knew what was going on, I had my eye on you. I chose you. Why did he choose us? I don't know. But it says he appointed us. He appoints us, and that's the idea of selection or being sent on a mission. If you're in the military, you know what it is to be selected for a mission. You may not like that mission. You may not want that mission, but you better take that mission if that's your job, if that's what you're called to do. I chose you, I appointed you to go and bear fruit. So our lives should be reproducing themselves. Everything we talked about in the revival, we're supposed to bear fruit. Now, the second part of that question, we asked her what the elect are. You know, how do I know what the elect is? All this stuff. Here's the second part of that question. How can I know if I am elect? Here's the great news. You don't get to know that. Isn't that wonderful? It ain't your job to know if you're elect. Because you can't know that. But you know what you can know? You can know if you're saved. First John 5.13 First John 5.13 You can know if you are saved. Now pay attention to this. Because there's people that tell you that you can lose your salvation. So that you cannot know from one minute to the next if you're saved. I'm not saying they're stupid or deceived. But they're stupid and deceived. Okay. First John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life not temporary life where if you screw up you lose it eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of god that's it in a nutshell church these things i have written to you who believe okay so if he's going to give assurance of salvation who is he giving it to everyone who, been, who believes in the name of the lord jesus christ right john 3 16, 17 18 1 john 1 9 all of those things. Because he says at the bottom, that you may know you have eternal life and, I love his part, that you may continue in the name of the Son of God. Remember, when you do something in the name of somebody, you do what they were about. You follow your commission. You follow your purpose, which is what? Spread seed. Share the gospel. Tell the world who Jesus is. You continue because you know you are saved. Satan will try to mess you up. Satan will say, no, you're not saved. Look at your life. You keep messing up. You keep screwing up. You can't be saved. Maybe you're not elected, Keith. You can never tell. Yes, you can. Because this says, if I have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am saved. Period. Doesn't matter if I'm elected, I'm saved. That's the great thing about it. Election, great word, great concept, has no bearing on the modern church. You are saved if you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what we need to focus on. Not all this other stuff. We need to stay on the facts. All right. So, what do we know now? I want to finish this up, church. Here we go. One, God is sovereign. He answers to no one for his plans. Understand that. Just because you don't understand what God's doing, don't mean you have any right to step outside the will. God is doing what God is doing. And just because you don't understand, He's not going to change His plans. God's going to keep doing what He's always been doing. He's going to keep seeking out the elect. And he's going to keep calling us and saving us and sanctifying us and sending us to preach the gospel to all men, all women of all nations, all the grounds. That's who God is. Two, we are limited, created beings. We are not meant to know all God's ways. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. If God didn't tell you, you ain't supposed to know. So get over it and move on with life. That's my whole opinion in life. Just If I don't have to know, then I don't have to know. I just have to do what I know. Last thing. Our place is to live in light of His grace toward us. We share that hope with all men. The rest is up to the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Jesus. Because as a pastor, if the salvation of people was dependent on the quality of your pastors, This would be a scary church to be in i'm telling you the truth salvation is never dependent upon the pastor the deacon the one sharing the track you use which translation of the bible you've got salvation is strictly the work of the holy spirit he will take care of everything else just because you don't see it happening don't mean it's not happening. Keep sharing. Keep. I don't care if that guy is a 72-year-old member of Hell's Angels. He's got three months left to live. You better share Jesus with him. Hey, the Holy Spirit can help you with salvation in the last minutes, hours, days of life. It has happened before. It will continue to happen until the day Jesus comes back. That's a fantastic, um, quick run through the whole um, issue of election. I hope this has raised a lot of questions in your mind. I hope you will go and study it. I hope you will press in on this stuff. Because for me, there is no greater confidence than knowing that as a person who witnesses, God will never fail even if I do. That just because uh, my sermon wasn't the best or my lesson wasn't the deepest, that, that's not what's going to hold people back. The Holy Spirit's working, and if He's working, people are going to get it, they're going to be fired up, and they're going to go on and do their job. So, as a pastor, that's just, that's how I deal with the responsibility, is that my responsibility is to preach and teach, y'all's is to accept and learn, and go and preach and teach to the world, so that everybody can be saved. Okay, so let's not even talk about election anymore. It's not a question of, are you elect? It's, are you saved? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Him? Claimed that blood for your life? If we can answer that question, we're good to go. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today in the archives. I am your host, Richard Stidham. Remember that we are a listener-supported ministry here, and if you would like to contribute in any way to keeping this message on the air, you can send any gifts to Richard Stidham, 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. That's P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas, 77521. God bless, and we'll see you again in the archives.